Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got my partner in crime, Rohan. Hello. Hello. And joining us from the, the US today, we've got Billy. Hey, Billy. How's it going? This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily and securely access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project. The configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. All right, Billy, so whereabouts in the U.S. are you from? I am in Montana. Excellent. Lots of Home Assistant users over there? (laughs) Not that I am aware of. (laughs) There's maybe one. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Well, thanks for taking the time. We'll talk to you in a minute, find out how Montanans... Is it Montanans? Is that the correct... Uh, yeah, I believe I just so. That up? No, Montanans. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's Montanans? Montanians? Monta- Montanites? There you go. <laughs> Montanites? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, funny. All right. Um, so first of all, before we get into the release, we should just catch up on our last episode that we had with Adrian. We were talking about uh, smart switches and, Rahim, we were talking about the Lutron Aurora smart switches yeah. um, and how they work with, you know, smart bulbs, Philips Hue and stuff. User Ford underscore GT on Reddit reached out to us and uh, mentioned that they're using the Innovelli Red Z-Wave switches and they can be customized to disable the internal relay on the switch. Now, these are a US frequency-based smart switch, so obviously only available for the North Americans. But I thought this was actually really cool. I haven't seen a a Z-Wave model, at least out here in Australia, that can do this. So another option there, and of course, because it's home assistant and because these switches are pretty popular, I think they're like $35 US dollars, so pretty reasonably priced. Yeah. Uh, They have, uh, there's someone actually, Brian, uh, who is it, Brian Hannafin, uh, has put on the home assistant forums a script that you can use to control uh, the LED notification lights on those switches. So if you are... Want, if you've got, you know, Philips Hue or other smart bulbs and you want another switch option, I thought that was really cool and, and worth a mention for everyone so, else. So that that's, when you say control the LED, so like the little, like on my, on my couple of my older linear um, rocker switches, I've got mm. like a little LED that's, you know, it, the yeah. light's on when it, when the power is off, but the power's on when the light's on. Because yeah, I yeah, control yeah. that kind of thing. So you can do like... yeah custom like states or flashes or whatever yeah so these lights have a full rgb like notification like bar in them oh so you can change the switch to go you know purple or you know any color you want basically so you know if the doorbell rings you can have all your switches flash something or if it's yeah in the middle of the night go red you know that's neat i actually have a f- I, I bought a few of these um before i moved and i haven't oh, nice. i haven't uh dove dove or div dived <laughs> i haven't gotten too deep into them yet i just have them uh sh- mm. got them showing up in home assistant but they also have a so that that strip of that led strip uh shows the dim level as well so if you have them at 50 percent, it only yeah lights 50 percent. and um yeah oh, they're, that's they're kind of cool. cool they're pretty cool so, so it's a strip it's not just like a yeah single yeah. led yeah, oh, yeah. That's so it's, they're really nice looking switches. Um, I got like a four pack with two Z-Wave bulbs for like seventy five dollars or something like that. Um, just wow. like a crazy nice. deal. Yeah. Um, and so I haven't had a lot of time to to dive into them yet, but um, I'm excited about them. They're they're pretty sweet. And then they have like a little scene button on them as well that you can program uh, to do whatever. That's actually very cool for that price. That's a that's a decent. 
The the only thing is, I don't know if like so uh, as uh, Ford underscore GT mentioned, you know, you can kind of modify them to have to basically disable the relay. Mm. I don't know if that's through code or if that's physically. No, it, it's an option, like in the Z-Wave config. Oh, so yeah. you can actually just push it. Yeah, and you can also do it at the switch. There's a there's a manual configuration at the switch uh, that you can do. So, um, they have like a config um, like sort of dip mode. switches or something. Yeah. Well, no, you, I think you you hold the scene button for a certain amount of time, and then the the light strip turns a certain color, and that's the configuration mode. And then you, it's a bunch of button presses to to go through to do lots of different configurations. That is very cool. We need more stuff like that. Yeah, they're really neat. Yeah. I, it's they're pretty um, in, intense options on those switches, and I just it's it's a lot to go through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of options for people though. <laughs> but but that's awesome, right? Like, I mean, it's it's a switch at the end of the day, but at the same time, it's like, okay, how can I make this do more or, or whatever? Right. So mm-hmm. I I respect that. That's awesome. When I looked at the website today, they were all on back order, so they must be pretty popular. I think they're on back order until the end of August, so it's the middle of July now. Yeah. So, but you know, at least there's options out there. Yeah, no, that's awesome, and it's and it's Z-Wave, so local control and whatever. So exactly. That, that's yeah. that's awesome. And they um, on their website they mention Home Assistant compatibility, so they're. <laughs> Which is yeah, awesome too. There's a That's configuration neat. file you have to put into your home assistant config. So but otherwise there it's it's a pretty standard setup. Cool. That's awesome. Are you are you planning on running that with we'll get I guess we'll go more into it later, yeah. but are you planning on running that with like ZHA or something like that? Um well they're uh they're Z Wave, but yeah, so they're they're just running straight through the um Oh sorry, I yeah, I don't know why I read Zigbee in my <laughs> head. That makes a lot of sense. I thought I was the guest. I'm supposed to make some mistakes like that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're good. You're good. It's it's all I'm also going on very little sleep. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's eight in the morning for me, so I know it's uh, late for you. Well it's 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 later. It's ten for me, but I'm still I'm still like just <laughs> groggy. I think I'm going on like five hours of sleep right now or four hours of sleep and it's like just the last two weeks have been like that, so which is great. All right. On to zero point one one three. So it's a few new features, um, a lot of stuff around automations and a lot of stuff around performance and, and uh, it, it's almost like a backend uh, release. I, I don't want to call it a backend release, but like it, it's there's a lot of stuff in the in the backend where they have mm. upgraded a ton of stuff. So which is really neat. So let's start with even more speed improvements. The last version, we did talk about this a little bit saying, hey, they improved the speed. Um, and, and you've noticed this across the last few versions where they have been trying to do that. Things like Lovelace loads first. So, you know, wh- whether it's physically faster or not, it, it feels faster, right? And then you got like a loading, loading, hey, we're uh, how could I, like, hey, it's still loading up and you got that little yellow bar and then they all go away. Just things like that. So uh, Pascal basically worked with a pretty optimized version of uh, Python 3.8 and uh which Home Assistant Core leverages under the covers. So it's, uh, you know, hopefully I that's... I think they benchmarked it. There's like a 40% increase based on this um, optimized version that Pascal's written. Like, it's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, hopefully this this also, I, I mean, and this is what we're, we're talking about is the speed improvements, but also that, that should result in less CPU usage as well, which uh, for devices like my poor little raspberry pi that struggles on the regular <laughs> that might be uh, that might be really good 
So, uh, Rahum, we've been talking, maybe I mentioned this in this last episode, but I know we've definitely been talking about it offline. I've been using Nathan's soft, uh, sorry, yeah, soft UI. Yeah. And I have had to disable it because I found out that, you know, there was just so many templates involved running it that, you know, it was crashing my home system. The CPU usage was going to 90, 90, 99%, 100%. And it would just bring down my whole host. Yeah. And I worked out that it was actually, you know, all the templates in that Lovelace theme that was just causing issues. But I've been running the beta and touch wood. I, it's been like night and day. This release, I've gone back to soft UI everywhere now. Uh, all my tablets are now running soft UI and CPU, I don't think has gone over half like ever. Wow. So massive improvement. Um, yeah. So this, I think is shaping up to be my favorite release ever. Yeah, so so it it sounds like that that optimization that Pascal's done is is really 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 working, yeah. I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but interestingly, that's not the the big features to come no. out of uh, this release, and I think, and this is why this is my favorite release, especially for this year, because you know I'm a particular fan of running everything in YAML, and I use a lot of scripts, and I think this release has been uh, much more focused on bringing scripts and automations more in line with how a developer would work. And one of those now becomes, uh, which is called running modes for scripts and automations. So uh, what I like to do in my uh, setup is I use scripts where I need to repeat code. You know, like as a developer, you know, you create functions, methods that have code that you reuse all over the place. So one of those I have is um, when I want to change colors and make them all, you know, random colors, I have a script to do that. And rather than rewrite the code everywhere, I put it in a script and call it. Now, previously, the problem with Home Assistant was a script can only be executed at one time. So if you've got five lights that need to call that script, you would have to wait until each one of those lights had finished using that script before you could execute it again. Um, But now there's new what's called running modes for scripts and automations. And so you can choose things like um, parallel mode. I think there's a, a loop mode. There's a whole bunch of stuff you can do. So... This parallel scripts, I've basically gotten rid of a whole bunch of wait underscore templates that I've had to use all over the place. And yeah, this is awesome. That, which is cool. So I, I've always tried to avoid scripts. I mean, uh, Phil, you've seen some of my automations. They're, they're, I, I like <laughs> yeah. to keep them very simple. Um, and, Too simple. And yeah, yeah. Which, which, but but it, it, it's, I feel like now I have to look into this and I have to actually do it. And, and, and that's genuinely the reason why I, I, I've always known it's been, you know, it's a better way to do it and all that. And it's just been yeah. like, eh, just cause it's a better way. Does that mean I want to put the time in to do it? Right. And, uh, now, now I think, you know, this is something I do want to revisit and, uh, personally on, on my, on my installation. Right. And, and just, to leverage again, now I can do cooler things like run mo- more than one thing mm. at a time. Right. Which, I mean, it hasn't really been an issue for me, but, uh, you know, as, as stuff grows and as, as I, you know, leverage more, uh, automations and such as well, which I'm starting to do more of. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, definitely interesting. Another cool thing, um, that, uh, now exists in home assistant are loops. So, um, you can do a variety of different types. You can do like a while true, or, um, you can do a four where, you know, you want to run a condition a certain number of times. Um, so this is actually, again, another really powerful uh, tool. Again, I, I don't think I've run to the point where I needed to do a loop yet, but I think I think there's definitely some g- really good use cases behind it. 
Oh, for sure. I, don't, I can't, like, I'm not using personal loops. I'm using a lot of timers, you know, like yeah. run an automation every 10 minutes or something to change Same. the colors every 10 minutes. Um, so maybe they could re- be replaced by loops, but I'm sure there's going to be like these sort of things being added in. Now there's going to be like cool stuff that's going to come out, right? Like someone on the forums is going to share a script. Yeah. And now like it'll use loops and they'll be like, oh, of course that look, that looks cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is how Rohan ends up learning scripts. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> The loops thing is kind of a uh, something that I've uh, wanted to use a few times, mostly just for like flashing lights. Where with my, I have two young mm-hmm. boys, <laughs> so like flashing yeah. random colors and stuff for their bedroom. Yeah, uh, and it was always like trying to run the script from itself at the end while there's an input boolean on or something like that. It was really complicated. It never really worked that well. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of abandoned it, and now I'm I'm actually kind of excited to jump back into that just because their room has gotten a lot more has gotten boring <laughs> yeah 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 that's cool yeah but but it, that, that's it right it just opens up kind of the possibilities there and that's no, neat so another programming feature or something that i've really struggled with in you know automations and that is uh switch cases and so there is a new um what's called they're calling a chooser which is basically if you're a programmer you'll know like an else elsif block mm-hmm. uh, or a switch case block these are pretty cool. So now um, I use these a lot in my workaround has been previously templates. So, for example, I've got a lot of Xiaomi wireless switches that I use. And I, you know, when someone presses the left button, I need this action to take place. But if they press the right button, yeah. I need another action to take place. So rather than doing, you know, an automation for each button, I have a whole bunch of templates, you know, service underscore template, data underscore template based on what button was being pressed. But now with these switch cases, I think this is really going to open up uh, a lot of uh, potential advanced sort of scripts and automations because now we can sort of go into different blocks, um, you know, go in, all right, if it's this, do that. Much more easier than having to fire up a template, which yeah. for a lot of people, templates is a bit confusing and seem as advanced more than what YAML is, especially when you have to get the indentation correctly and, and quotes and all that. Yeah. So this is really cool to see as well. No, and 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 I, I think to your point, Phil, I, and and te- the templates they're great, they're super flexible. But it, mm. it's to your point, it is it it does just add more complexity to your config, right? Where, yeah, I mean, personally, I, I I do use templates, and I and I hate it, right? <laughs> but but I don't, I don't really have a choice, right? And uh, yeah, this is definitely like a native construct for it is definitely definitely. Um, way better to use i think at least yes just even, even in your head you're not switching between the jinja 2 or whatever and yeah and yaml right just and it makes sharing it with people easier as well sure it's not a whole line of template code it can be you know broken down on separate lines easier for especially if you're using github or something so, yeah yeah so would this be like if you have a, a toggle switch that you've like those Inavelli switches where you've disabled the relay like i have some of the something like that for my back patio mm. lights where the the lights have their uh, built-in motion sensor so they turn on and off on their own but if i want to turn them on i have a smart switch that has just been wired to uh, just be powered on all the time so i use home assistant to actually toggle those on and off does that does that make like with an automation does that make sense no no so so it, it's more this is more of like um you having like a if so so if i need to do like a i, I don't want to call them conditions but if if you need to say 
if my button has been pressed down for five seconds, then do this. If it's been pressed down for 10 seconds, then do this, right? Okay. Right now, that a lot of that happens through uh, Jinja 2 templates mm-hmm. in the configuration. So what happens is with this, now you don't really need to do that anymore. Um, you can you kind of have the native construct in Home Assistant to do that. Gotcha. Um, so for example, in my, in my notifications, um, where I use my Amazon echo as well as the home assistant app to push it, push a notification down. What, uh, what I have is I have kind of one notification system with like, Hey, if the front door is open or if the back door is open, right. And then if the front door is closed or if the back door is closed, and then based on that, do a couple of notifications. Now, now my requirements changed halfway through. So I actually had to break it out into two. At one point, it was one big notifications thing with a bunch of if statements. And and even now, it's two smaller ones with with uh, if statements. So, you know, when it announces front door is open or back door is open, that's, you know, that's controlled by that if. Gotcha. Right? And and in this case, I think, I, I don't know if I could fully replace the templates again i haven't looked at the at the switch cases but i i think i think i should be able to uh pretty easily use this instead of the templates hmm. i'll have to look into it a little bit more yeah, to build up your message and yeah i'm not a, a programmer have very you know of all of this i've learned yeah. through using home assistant so yeah this is a new <laughs> new thing for me <laughs> yeah it's it, it, it is interesting right because instead of because without ifs and stuff, you would have like a hundred different things with just with conditions, yeah. right? So it, it's just really inefficient and you have, a you know, like four things that in, in my case for my notifications, I would have four different automations that do essentially serve the same purpose to say if my door is open or closed gotcha. or which door. Um, so that's the nice piece, a uh, nice thing about this. Just keep things a little easier. All right. So cooldowns for automations. Um, so now you can basically specify a cooldown on automation, which basically says, okay, how often will this automation run? So let's say you have a, um, automation that you just ran and you don't want it to trigger too often. So in a case like this, this will be, okay, how can I, you know, give it a bit of time, chill out. Again, this could also even ruin something, right? So as an example, maybe you have a motion sensor and you have a fan that runs based on a motion sensor. And as that, you know, maybe that motion sensor turns off, you wave your hands really quick and it turns back on. So that may not be the best thing for the motor on the fan. So in this case, you can have a, a little bit of a cool down time, let it do its thing and then run the automation again after a little bit. I don't know if I did that example any justice, but... I think a good case for this would be actually your notifications for your doors that you were just talking about. Like if you're constantly opening and closing your doors, every time you open the door, you don't want a notification, right? Yeah. You probably want a notification once an hour, basically. So with this cooldown thing, you can now set, all right, send me a notification when the door's open, but don't send me one until an hour's passed. Yeah. And and actually, it's funny you say that because I don't know why I use that example because I have that exact use case (laughs) where where my... So again, even in the back, I have a sliding door where... Mm. I close it, but then if, if you close it too fast, it bounces back. So I yes. get like an open, <laughs> oh, close, no. open, right? And then so I get like four notifications just because I tried to close the door. <laughs> and this is a great use case for that. So you can you can put a cool down period of a few seconds where, you know, I might, I might want more than once an hour because what happens if I just close the door, leave, and then I want to know if somebody else opens the door, right? It might be somebody I want or somebody I don't want in my house, right? So still have a cool down time for that. So I, I can essentially stop that mm. physical bounce back. So there's actually another way you can stop that bounce back too. So you can, in the trigger, 
you would have, you know, when the door is opened, yeah, changes the state changes to open. You can actually specify that the open state um, has to be for a few for a certain amount of seconds. Yeah, so that's what have, I do you know, now. Yeah, exactly. So now this cooldown stuff is another way to essentially do the same thing. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I actually been using cooldowns for quite some time with templates. So there's um, all automations expose a state attribute of when they were last triggered. Yeah. So if I have, for example, like um, I have my good morning Jarvis notification, but I don't want it to run, you know, I have multiple triggers, you know, it could be when I walk into the bathroom, it could be, you know, a certain time, could be every 15 minutes it checks, are the conditions true? I only want it to go off once a day. So I have a condition in there that if it was, if the automation has already been triggered today, don't run it again. And now with the cooldown for automations, I can just set that as instead of using a template, there's just a configurable option. Makes it much easier. Yeah, yeah, and and again, it keeps less pointless config, not pointless config, but less less superfluous config, I guess, where you have extras. Yeah, yeah. much more easier to read. Less. I don't have it. I'm not going to miss a, a single quote somewhere and stuff up my entire config and yeah. get into safe mode, right? Yeah, yeah. Been been guilty of that one too many times here. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the struggle is real. I know, I know. Uh, some noteworthy updates for this release. So, Tato, Tato, have you pr- wish to pronounce it? They have water heaters and climate devices. Uh, and one of their features is being able to set timers. So, now there is a service in Home Assistant that you can set those timers on those devices. So, you might have your climate device turn off after 30 minutes or something. That can now be controlled via Home Assistant. Uh, also, optimistic mode is uh, now available for template switches, um, where, again, you have some light platforms that leverage it that may not know the state of a light. Um, so now this has uh, been extended to that template uh, switch. Basically, you'll get those little lightning bolts in your yeah. Lovelace. Yeah. Yeah. And the Netatmo public weather sensors are back. That's good to see. And they're available to be configured from the UI. So if you are missing those, uh, I know... I think they got deprecated quite a few releases ago now, so they must have come back through the API. But yeah, yeah they're they're back in Home Assistant now, and they can all be no more YAML because configure it from the UI. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> all right, so breaking changes. So because of all the work around automation, scripting, and all of that, um, there are quite a few breaking changes around that. So again, best advice is read the release notes. But a couple of highlights. First off, the minimum required Python version has been bumped. So it used to be 3.7.0, now it's 3.7.1. So if you're using kind of a classic installation uh, without Docker or anything like that, you need to care about this. If you're using uh, Docker or, or um, has I or su- supervised uh, hmm. Home Assistant, you don't need to worry too much about that. Uh, configuring a Philips Hue bridge via YAML has now been deprecated, so it's moving over to the UI. Uh, if you have Philips Hue configured in YAML, when you boot into this version of Home Assistant, it is going to copy in your config, so you won't have. Then you can remove it safely, so you don't have to worry about setting it all up again. And I believe they've also put in, like, if you need to manually specify, for example, you need to put in your uh, IP address and all the manual config. That can all be done through the UI now, so there's no need for YAML when it comes to Philips Hue. Lovelace has now deprecated HTML imports uh, in itself, so there's uh, extra HTML URL that you can you can configure. So that will now uh, be deprecated as of 0.115, um, and and the support for that will be removed. So you can switch to there's extra underscore module underscore URL or extra JS URL 
ES5. So if you want to import JavaScript or anything like that, but uh, essentially you do need to modify that if uh, if you're using it. Yeah, I don't think a lot of browsers supported the HTML import anyway, so I don't think this will affect too many people, but there might be a, a random person out there that is using it and yeah, it might just be that time to change over. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, Billy, now we get to the fun part of the episode. So I guess where, where do we start? Like, well, I guess we should start with how long have you been using Home Assistant for and, and what sort of got you into Home Assistant? So I've been using Home Assistant for uh, about, I think, two, uh, almost three years now. My kind of dive into home mm-hmm. automation uh, happened uh, mostly via research when my wife got pregnant. It was just something that, uh, you know, trying to figure out how, you know, just make our lives a little bit easier once the baby came. That was about six years ago. And so mm. basically spent a lot of time just researching, mostly just as a hobby, but just what, how I wanted to automate our house. And so at that time, Smart Things was kind of the uh, the big platform. And so I was kind of looking into that. Yeah. But um, by the time it, you know, got to the point where I was actually purchasing things and, and uh, implementing in my house, the cloud issues of smart things were kind of starting to show up on the forums and things. So at that point I was kind of looking at, um, Insteon just cause I, I like the switches and, and I actually still use Insteon switches for almost everything in my house. Uh, okay. just cause they look like a standard switch. It doesn't, it doesn't look, um, like a smart switch. And so, um, so I was kind of doing the Insteon hub, uh, and, um, and then to do bulbs, I had a singlet hub, uh, which is a mm-hmm. Zigbee and it's basically just a bridge. Um, so I was kind of just doing that at first and then, uh, mm. um, and then, you know, wanting the, that local control and, and more automation options where that was all just kind of remote control type of stuff. There was no, uh, triggers or anything like that. So that, that was kind of when I started looking for something more and uh i i kind of i i use a a mac and so i had seen home assistant and so i just loaded it up on my mac and just to kind of try out and there was a there, there still is an, an insteon hub integration so i kind of did that but it was as um i don't really have any <laughs> programming background you know, i'm uh, tech savvy i guess but I've never done anything mm-hmm. in code at that point. And, and so Home Assistant was very, uh, there was, no, you know, there was very little or if any UI integration, you know, everything was in YAML. Yeah. And so it was, yeah. it was I had it working, yeah. but it was kind of like, I don't know if I, you know, I've, I've got a, a baby and <laughs> like, I don't know if I have time to, to yeah. like learn this stuff. And so I, I bought an ISY994i for the Insteon stuff. And that's a, like a job, I think it's Java based, um, Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's a little more UI friendly, I guess. And it's ugly as heck, but, um, but it works. And so I was yeah. kind of, I was using that for a little bit, but it didn't have any Zigbee support. So I was still having to use the Sanglid app for my bulbs. And, um, so that was kind of, I did that for, I think for about six months and then I decided that I would kind of see where home assistant was. And so sort of jumped back in and, you know, bought a raspberry Pi three, I think it was a three B plus and loaded Hassio mm-hmm. on there and, and kind of went from there. I used that for about a year, I think. And then, um, about a, somewhere between six and 12 months ago, I put it back on a Mac mini. And so I'm running, running it direct on the Mac mini, um, with, a that Nortec 
Zigbee and Z-Wave stick, uh, USB stick. Uh, So that runs runs all my um, sensors and bulbs. And then the Insteon switches are still running through the ISY. It's just with that with the ISY integration. Uh, so it all runs through Home Assistant. All the all all my automations are are in Home Assistant, um, except for there's a you know Insteon has kind of a, a scene based automations and and um, they tie things together in scenes. And so like for three way switches and some of the automatic dimming based on the time of day, I still use in the ISY because it happens. Um, a little cleaner, I guess. It doesn't need the state mm-hmm. to be on to then trigger. So, like, if, so I use a lot of um, smart bulbs for um, uh, like time of day, light, you know, color, temperature, and, and yeah. brightness. Yeah. And with Home Assistant, it has to turn on, and then it kind of then it dims, or then it changes color. It has to like get that trigger first, and then the ISY it just brings it straight in. Uh, so it just it. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how it does it, but it basically just sends that signal directly to the switch or the bulb to go on to that brightness. Um, so it doesn't have that. It doesn't have that like where it comes on full brightness and then and then dims automatically. Oh, that's weird. So that must be an Insteon specific. So in in my Lutron setup, because I have and in the evenings, I have my like I have a, basically a scene setup, so it goes, you know, lights turn on at different percentages. But I've I've never seen it go like full pop then come yeah. down. Even some of my uh, Zigbee stuff with my decons and even Philips Hue, when you yeah. send it, like, as part of the light turn-on service, you can specify the brightness it should turn on to and the color temperature. And it that that might be something Insteon-specific, though. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, it, so it, it does, if I just send a service call that's saying to go to, you know, a specific brightness, like, that stuff works. But um, a lot, so a lot of my, um, what is it when you have a scheduled light color temperature throughout the day? What's that called? I can't remember the name. Um, yeah, like the flux kind of. Yeah, style, like yeah. So it's like that. But I so I have that set up for all almost all my lights in the house. Yeah. And if I just send the the service call to a bulb, it'll come on at the proper brightness and temperature. But they um a lot. So because I'm using switches uh, to turn things on and off, and I'll explain where that all. So instead of using just automations to turn lights on and off it requires the switch trigger uh, so that, so it has to, I got know, it. Yeah. So the trigger is the switch turning on. And then, um, and the reason is, is because my wife is, is very, uh, against a lot of this stuff. And so she yeah. still likes the control at the switch. And so yeah. still, so basically it's, it's that it like turns on and then home assistant sees that it's on and then it kind of like. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, so it's your, it's your use case specific. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy video lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy video lock, that's E-U-F-Y video lock, 
or visit eufyofficial.com slash video log to see how you can gain complete control of your door. But yeah, so basically I've been using Home Assistant for a couple of years. I really like the the Insteon switches and uh and um so most of yeah most of what i'm using is the 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 switches are insteon uh bulbs are typically zigbee and then a lot of my sensors are z-wave so i kind of have it set up as like sort of these separate radios um so that okay. kind of mm. works into you know independently i guess and they're not bogging each other down yeah and that just sort of happened on accident so <laughs> stuck with it <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Hey, at least it worked out accidentally or well organized. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could have some switches that are this, some switches that are that, and whatever. Yeah, I'm kind of right? so getting into that now because of those Innovelli switches. I'm sort of jumping into Z-Wave sure. more than a sensor. And so it's it's a whole different, I don't know, I've, I've never done anything in Z-Wave other than those sensors. So having like the switches and uh, it's just, it's a, it's just slightly different. I've gotten used to the Zigbee, like the ZHA um, integration. And so jumping over to that Z-Wave integration is just a, a little, uh, it's just a little different, I guess. Different. Yeah. yeah. I know, I know you mentioned uh, earlier that, uh, you know, you, you're doing some cool stuff for your kids and all of that, all of that. What, uh, what, what are some neat things you're doing for your kids? So actually the, the first, um, the first go ahead that I got from my wife, uh, with all the smart home stuff was uh, we like to call it the potty light. And so yeah. I have a, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And when the five-year-old was potty training, um, we had this long hallway that, that went um, from his bedroom to the bathroom. And so right. um, I had that hallway, I put uh, just smart bulbs in there for, for just for dimming. And so at bedtime, mm. one of those bulbs would automatically stay on at 1% and everything else would turn off. And so it just kind of became his like nightlight to, to if he needed to go to the bathroom <laughs> in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that kind of, uh, that kind of jump started the whole thing. That was like the, yeah, you can do this. And so then I jumped way in and now she's <laughs> frustrated all the, all the time. <laughs> she uh, regrets everything. Probably. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so the potty light still, still lives. We actually just, we just moved, um, recently. And so I'm uh, right now, my house is still in a, a huge state of transition of, of trying to get everything set back up. So, um, it's not, everything is, is up and running, but the, since my three-year-old is now potty training, we have the potty light, um, on a, a lamp in the hallway. Um, okay. and so that, that still, that still runs It's kind of, and now I have motion sensors so that it'll turn off at like nine o'clock. And then if somebody walks through the hallway, it'll come back on for a little bit. So that's, that, that's nice. been, uh, been kind of nice. Um, are the motion sensors sensitive enough to pick up the little children walking through the, the rooms? Yeah, actually the, yeah. So the, I have two, one at each end of the hall and one will pick up, uh, it's, so one is right over their door basically. Mm-hmm. And it also picks mm-hmm. up if my wife or I come out of our bedroom and then the other one is at the other end of the hall um, and so between the two of them, it'll, yeah, it picks, I have it c- kind of pointed down so that they, uh, it yeah, picks them up. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it picks up our cat. <laughs> so, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, yeah. So yeah, they, they work, they work really well. One of them's a, it's, it's kind of funny actually. One of them's a, an Insteon motion sensor and the other one's a Z-Wave motion sensor and they both seem to work really well. So <laughs> there's very little difference in the, in the lag as far as, uh, yeah. going between going through home assistant. So, okay. That's good. And then I have, uh, 
hue bulbs in their in their fixture in their room and so that also goes on that um you know throughout the day it's it's brighter or dimmer and then around bedtime uh it goes pretty dim for reading books and then i have a bed sensor under each of their so they share a bedroom and i have a bed sensor under each of their mattresses so when they're both in bed uh for a minute then those hue bulbs will go to like a, a color scene that they have chosen so it's it's mm. three three bulbs and you know one's blue one's green and one's pink or something like that so they it's like their little that's thing cool. and then after an hour that turns off you know fades away and turns off that's so neat. so yeah that's, that's kind of their, like <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of fun because then when we're reading books the the their little lamp will turn on automatically and the and the overhead lights will go to their little color scheme and it's um, yeah so, but mm. of course whenever it doesn't work they're like dad I want the colors. <laughs> yeah. See, see, that's a problem yeah. because now you just made yourself the technician. Yeah. For yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, we've all done that. I think that's uh, sure. It's, sure. It's fun. Did you make the bed sensors? Uh, yeah. So I, I actually use, um, Insteon, uh, open close sensors, which have external terminals. Oh, right. And so then I just, um, so, uh, for theirs, I actually found like a little, uh, binary, uh, it's just like a little button press pressure sensor. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's just binary. So it's just a a little button that when I've got it, um, sort of set it like into their bed frame so that if the mattress is on it, it's not, you know, it's not going to press it down enough to actually trigger it. But then once they get in, that's really a tricky because they're, they don't weigh very much. Uh, it was like a really tricky thing Mm. to get it. So it was just, just enough to where when they were on it, it triggered, but when they got off it, it, you know, t- uh, untriggered. I'm st- still trying to yeah. figure that out. Actually, it's, it's yeah. like a 75% works. So, <laughs> which, yeah. Cause, cause that's actually kind of interesting because well, in my mind, two things, one, I'm surprised that the weight of the bed isn't just always mm. pushing it on or, so or kind weight of, like of a, whatever's on it. A little piece of like, uh, so I have it set into the bed frame a little bit. So it's, it, rec- it's not press, you know, if it was just, flush if it was got know, it set all the way that the height of the button the mattress would actually push it down but i've got it set in a little bit and then like i think it's like a piece of cardboard or something just to like give it just a little push it down a little yeah, more so then when they actually yeah. get on it actually pushes so it's 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 tricky like i said it works about 75 percent of the time i'm still working the yeah. kinks out <laughs> do they and and how does it work when they like like is it still pretty solid when they like turn and like toss like yeah so uh, they're yeah since like, they're small um that it's it's really it's just right it's almost right under their pillow and so um got it it's, you know almost anywhere they move as long as they're up towards the pillow it it works but it'll catch it and I, I have it so All that right. it's one of those where it's like if it's you know if they are off of the bed you know if it if it uh, doesn't if it's not triggered for, you know, 10 seconds or something like that, then it'll actually say that they're, they're out of bed. So those yeah. little, you know, movements and stuff aren't going to send me, cause I actually have like a notification as well that, you know, from bedtime sure. until when we go to bed, if they get out of bed for, you know, more than a minute or whatever, I'll get a little ding on my phone. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's good, right? I mean, and, and again, this may not be your use case, but I'm sure there's some folks listening here that, you know, they may have uh, kids or, or other other family members that might have like sleepwalking or like yeah. one of those kind of things, right? Like where, where you know, that you do want to be alerted of that kind of stuff, right? Or, 
you know, dementia, that these kind of things where it's like, hey, this is kind of concerning. So I, I, I totally get that. I actually really like that from uh, from a safety perspective. Yeah, and there's there's um on the forums I've seen some other projects for bed sensors where they used yeah. like an ESP and um you know actually getting the based on the weight and stuff like that. And so this is a very binary, super simple. So, you know, if the cat gets on the bed, then it shows that they're in bed. But at the same time, (laughs) it's, I have all that stuff as a condition of like, if it's at bedtime and some, you know, some other conditions so that it shouldn't trigger throughout the day. (laughs) Yeah. Cat, the kids once once the kids get smart enough they're just going to start throwing the yeah, exactly. throwing the cat on the bed and <laughs> or like a you know foiled again <laughs> yeah yeah that's right that's right um and yeah. i have uh, so for our bed um i have bed sensors same thing but instead of the little button it's just a, a resistive pressure sensor again still yeah. still binary but um that one actually works because we have a wood platform and um so that it mm-hmm. the match you know so that one actually works really well on our bed. And so we've got one on each side. So if we're both in bed, then the sort of the good night scene, uh, yeah. everything else in the house turns off. And, um, and that's actually where I want to use that, um, those Inavelli switches for that, um, notification light. So if anything is still on or if the garage door is open or if the door is unlocked or something like that, the little notification light on that, on those Inavelli switches, I want to use that to sort of let us know that, something in the house isn't you know isn't right and then you can just go push the button to turn it off or whatever sure sure that's actually a great use case yeah yeah and so um one thing i wanted to mention too is the so because i'm using insteon they they have these keypads um that are really nice a six Mm -hmm. button or eight button keypad and um one of the things i've done is i have you know i have one in the garage and then one at the main door where we go in and out and um I've made like an all off button so that you can, you know, if, if we're gone, you know, all the lights will turn off anyway. But if, you know, for some reason our presence sensors aren't working or whatever, my wife, again, like I said, she likes to use the switches. So if you press that all off button, everything in the house will, will turn off. But, um, through the Insti or through the, uh, ISY, uh, programming, I can actually say if anything on the, in the house is on, then that button will actually light up. So then, you know, it's the same thing with those. Uh, so I'm kind of, right. I want to do that with yeah. those Inavelli switches, but I've already got it for a couple switches with those keypads. So it's nice. What Like if anything in the house is on when you're leaving, you can see and just hit that all off button and then everything shuts down. And then, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's been one of my that's actually favorite very things cool. uh, to do is just having that. And I'd like to have that in home assistant, but home assistant, actually there is a new integration. So maybe, maybe it can, but, but the, the ISY, uh, programming allows to to turn that light on on that keypad button right. without you know without anything else so that's kind of cool yeah how, how how are you driving a lot of this so like in in the sense of um like like what's your i'm trying to not to sound like this is like a business conversation but what's what's your like strategy for in terms of how people interact with your with your home automation yeah. so do you use touch screens do you use uh, like Amazon Echo devices or Google Homes or whatever, or or let, let, just straight up pull out the phone app, like or just switches and. So oh, cool. um, yeah, so like I said, my my wife really likes to just use the light switches, and so I've kind of used that as a um, to almost to confine, or not to confine me, but just like as a good. Okay, here yeah. everything has to still be available at the switch, and it's good for guests and stuff too because we have babysitters exactly. come over, and mm. so um, so that's where I basically like 
everything is still very much available on the switches. Um, and, and so th- that's why I have that, um, you know, for that, um, flux or God, I still cannot remember that word, but yeah. <laughs> the listeners are probably like, it's this, um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, so it's mostly with switches, but I do have a, uh, a like a little tablet, um, magneted to our refrigerator, uh, okay. right next to where we make coffee. So I can, and I just have like a tab on, yeah. on love lice that shows, um, uh, so I've got our, our meal plan showing there, uh, some schedule stuff for the kids, like, um, you know, what's their water day or whatever at, at daycare or, you know, just mm. certain things that happen every week. And then like garage and re- sure. or, uh, sorry, garbage and recycling, uh, those days. So all that stuff kind of just shows up there. Um, and then if there's anything, if something didn't run properly, or if I want to change a color manually, I just use my phone. And, and as I said, my, my wife is not that interested in this stuff. So, so she, um, she just turns things on and off basically. <laughs> okay. So yeah, uh, again, not, nothing wrong yeah. with that. So, um... so mostly, yeah, mostly through switches a little bit in the app. We do have the echoes, um, but I haven't really done anything with that. We, we, I don't, I'm, we're just not huge fans of the voice control. It's yeah. When you've got the switches right there, it's not as necessary. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to hear more about this meal plan that you've got in lovely. So how are you, what are you using to do the meal planning and how do you integrate it with? Home so it's, it's a little bit manual. So I have an Android phone and I just have a Google keep note that shows that I just mm-hmm. have our, you know, when we make the meal plan, I just put them in that note and then there's a Google keep um, integration, I think through the community store. And so it'll just show, show that note basically with the check boxes. And then when I check it off on my phone, it'll just, so it's really, it's really just showing that note on the, on the tablet. It's so um, it's still very manual on my end in the phone. Um, but it works though. But yeah, it works well. And it's nice when, um, when she makes a, it'd be nice if we had some, cause she has an iPhone. If there was some, some way, uh, without her having, you know, with, with their, um, first party notes app or whatever, she, she's, yeah. she's not, yeah, a, she doesn't notes, download yeah. a bunch of apps and stuff. So, um, it'd be nice if there was something where we could share it together and then it could show up in home assistant. But, um, for now it's just the, the Google keep integration in, uh, from that community store. So, I mean, uh, I mean, it works. Look, if, so, it, if it works, yeah. I mean, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with yeah. that. Right. I mean, it's, uh, but but that but that's the thing. Don't don't overcomplicate it. Right, either. right. <laughs> just, it's more for you have to do a hundred steps just so that it's in Home Assistant. Yeah, exactly. And it is nice because then I just have to put it into my Notes app, which I use anyway, and so cool. then it just shows up. Um, but it, like I said, it would be nice if it was something that she could also do on her end if she's changing the meal or whatever. It's you know, um, so but it it like I said, it does it does work pretty well, and and it, at least then it's there on the uh, you know in the kitchen ready for us so yeah i i know there's a couple of like like, like i don't know what to call them but like i like guess couples apps that like mm. yeah um, that i don't know if they're still on home assistant i know they were um but uh you know at the time at the time my girlfriend wasn't living with me so that was like okay whatever yeah we don't really have like a shared grocery list and stuff now we have and you know, we, we use like any list and stuff like yeah, that, but it's like, exactly, yeah. you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to your point, Billy, just to have like a lot of these different pieces in a separate view in home assistant. Yeah. I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah. I, I like, I kind of like having that family view cause it, it does just that. Yeah. So then that tablet I'm not using, it's a, it's an old 
fire tablet and it's super slow. And so it's not worth changing, you know, but uh, like changing tab views or doing any control from it. But it's just nice having that right there. Um, And then it's well, even if you had to change tab views, it's like, okay, fine. It takes a second. Like not the biggest deal in the world, right? Yeah. Um, And actually, so just last night I was, I, uh, a new, a new sort of project that I've been wanting to do for a while. And, and uh, so I've got it kind of finished up last night. Um, But I, uh, for our garbage day and recycling, we have, you know, garbage is every Tuesday and then recycling is every other Tuesday. And so I, I just used an led strip with um, an ESP with um, I think it's WLED flashed onto it. And, um, mm-hmm. so they, so I've got just a little led strip that, that lives on, t- you know, over my, on the wall, over my, uh, garbage can and, and recycling can. And then on Tuesdays at 6am, um, the lights will either turn. So half of it will turn green and half of it will turn red when it's just garbage day. So the green is over the garbage can showing that that's, that's the day that's it, it cool. comes out. And then on the, uh, the other Tuesday, uh, where they both go out, the whole strip turns uh, green. So I haven't set up all the automation for it yet, but I got the like project built and mounted and, yeah. and everything's works. I just haven't set up the the automations yeah, to, really to run it yet. But the sensors are all in Home Assistant already with the, I think it's just garbage. What's it called? Garbage Collection, I think. is a, It's another community from the Hacks store. Mm. And I, that's what I use, have been using for that family view on our on Lovelace um, is just to show that garbage day is, you know, tomorrow and recycling is in eight days or whatever. Um, so I just I use really those like sensors that. to just, so then <laughs> we just, when we come out into the garage, that light is on to sort of remind you that, Hey, this needs to go out. <laughs> oh, I really like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited <laughs> about it. I'm, once I get it all up and running, I'll probably put it on the forums, um, just to, to show it off, but <laughs> it's, yeah, that, Honestly, man, I'm I'm sold. <laughs> like, I, I I know this is the stupidest thing for me to be like, hey, man, this is oh my god, this is unreal. Like, like, but it's it's so practical. I love yeah, it. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> the kind of like. There's a lot of things that I want to do that are that are just for fun, but yeah. my you know it 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 takes a lot of time away. You know, I'm already you know, I work 50 to 60 hours a week during the summer and, and, you know, two yeah. kids and stuff. So it's like, it's hard to, <laughs> to do these things yeah. when it's just for fun. But when it totally. is like a practical thing like that, it's something that, Hey, you know, if it works well and is consistent, then it'll get accepted by the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, 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 and it's funny cause for us, we have where I live, uh, the city kind of, or I guess the region made an app to say, yeah. Hey, you know, this is your, cause again, on like public holidays or whatever, obviously they modify the schedules and, yeah. and whatnot. So, so it always, it, it's actually a really good app problem is, and, and it even sends you like, so I have it set up. So the night before uh, collection day, it'll send me an alert at 10 PM just because you know, hey, you know, you're probably home, whatever, right? Yeah. So the the problem is I have to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or or I have to read the notification. <laughs> and that's where it all falls apart. Do you have do you use a iPhone or Android? I use an iPhone. Oh, okay. I was gonna say because with Android, so I use a ta- I use Tasker for a lot of things and you can take yeah. notifications and then send out an HT- HTTP or like a REST um, you know, uh what is it, HTTP get maybe or send so you can send a, a yeah. thing to home yeah. assistant to 
to then do something from there. But yeah, I, but again, that, that means I have to look at my, my issues. I don't look at stuff. <laughs> well, that's but what I'm saying is the, that you could, so tasker can actually take that notification right. and then automatically send it. So you don't have to look at it from your notification. It'll just send it to home assistant automatically. Yeah. But yeah, and then I can yeah. have it alert on whatever yeah. else. And, yeah, Careful, yeah. Billy. He's an iPhone user. He can't get, this is beyond him. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm actually, that's true. I'm actually, it's true. It's true. Thinking about switching back to iPhone, but we'll, Ooh, look at that. <laughs> Cause you know what? I, I, I got a, I got a, I got an Android tablet uh, a few days ago. And honestly, I was, I was kind of disappointed with it. I got a Samsung tab S six Lite or something like that. Mm. And I was just like, Oh, like it just looks like a, the same UI I had with my Samsung S4 or whatever, just, okay, yeah, okay, better <laughs> screen, a little more polished, rounded edges on the icons and stuff. And I'm like, eh, kind of, kind of, I don't know, like, it, there's nothing where I'm like, oh, this is cool, right? Like, it's just, yeah, all I, right. I think with cool. Android, though, it's that you can customize all that stuff yourself. So you can, there's a lot of, like, skins and yeah. different launchers and things that you can put on, so... I don't know. Yeah. This isn't a this isn't an iPhone Android podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right, that's Ron. Right. Soon you'll be able to put widgets on your home screen and you'll be able to change the mail app. Yeah, right? that's right. That's right. You, you'll have some customizations that that's Android's right. had for years. Don't worry. Eventually, eventually. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, Billy, can you t- uh, tell me about your? Because uh, um, you sent us in your email telling us a few of the things you did, and, and one of the things that really I was intrigued by was your your battery yeah. charging. Oh yeah whole system that you've created and i would really like you to share that with everyone sure so um so in my you know regular life i i own a small lawn care company um where it's basically just me and and one other guy and um last summer so when i started it about five years ago i wanted to go fully electric Mm -hmm. and uh last summer i finally bought the like big mower that's that's fully battery powered i get seven hours of mow time on a single charge wow Um, it's really awesome. I've, I've been very pleased with it. And then, you know, all my small tools are battery powered so that I am almost fully there, but, uh, that's, uh, you know, maybe next summer I'll get, I'll get there. All this stuff costs a lot more money than the gas powered stuff. So, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it saves me a lot of money too. So for my, for all my small tools, it's a, they're Makita lawn care, you know, tools. And so they use the same batteries as like the drills and uh, all their construction tools and stuff. So I've got this big array of battery chargers in my garage that's mounted on the wall. And, um, I use a Shelly, I think it's a 1 PM with the power monitoring. And I use that because it has, Mm -hmm. it has the, the, uh, wattage that you can run through it is a lot higher than a lot of like regular smart plugs. Um, or maybe the amperage, I don't know. It's, it's capable of handling a lot of power, I guess. Um, so I use that to, um, as a sensor essentially for how many batteries I have charging it at any one time, because I've got, I've got the ability to charge six batteries at once, but I have 12 that I need to charge every day. Um, and so I've set up template sensors based on how many, um, based on the, the usage or the, the power usage, Uh, so it tells me roughly how many batteries are charging. And then when they're all done, it'll go to idle. And then after 10 minutes of idle, then I'll get a notification on my phone. And I'd like to have some kind of light as well, because again, like Rohan, I also don't look at my phone or look at things. (laughs) So I need something (laughs) to like, Hey, you, (laughs) um, but, uh, someone to slap you in the face. (laughs) 
so, but anyway, so there's a notification that says, Hey, the batteries are done time to switch them over. And so then I, you know, go back out and, and swap the batteries out and, and that works really well. And then for the mower, so that's all in my garage. Uh, and then for the mower that is parked at a, sh- a, a shop, um, uh, across town. And so I've used a, another Shelly that's been, uh, basically, so the way I did this is I just cut up an extension cord and then wired mm-hmm. it. So that's, you know, it, it's basically just like a pigtail now. So you can just use that extension cord for anything. Um, yeah. And, uh, so again, for this, I have another How one. How is America not burnt down with all these crazy electric? They're all UL listed. listed I, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think I got the UL ones. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so, um, so I have, uh, the, the mower being charged at this shop and it goes through a Shelly 1 PM. And so for that, because it's off site, I'm just using the Shelly app, uh, through the Shelly cloud. But again, that, that yeah. basically just tells mm-hmm. me, um, so when I plug it in, when I get done at the end of the day, I can just check the Shelly app really quick, make sure it's charging, showing that, you know, current is going through. And then, um, so, so then I also use that, um, like the monthly usage to pay the, the owner, you know, how much electricity I've used, yeah. right. um, which is very little. It's actually, um, pretty, ama- pretty amazing to, to mow on such little amount of money. <laughs> wow, like it's been, it's been, it saved me like three to $400 a month just buying this mow. Wow. It's like, it's incredible, uh, just on fuel. So, yeah. Must must be nice to have cheap electricity. It, it is very really cheap electricity. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's uh, again, it's Montana. We've there's very yeah. few people here. So uh, <laughs> I wish I wish I could say the same. And we're really close to the coal mines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you thought about like graphing this out in like a Grafana or something like that? Sort of get some long term uh, trends and statistics on on how you're charging batteries and and how you're using the electricity on those yeah mowers? um i've thought about it and i this is all still very very new as far, you know I, last year i was charging the thing at my house and so um it was i was basically just trying to get it to work and again summertime's really busy for me so i haven't mm. haven't had I'd, I'd like to do that right now i'm just again i'm using just the shelly um the shelly app and it does have sort of a long term yeah. it does show me the the usage and stuff like that but um it's it's pretty basic just says you know on this date you use this much and right. um i i uh, i haven't gotten into i haven't like set up grafana or or any any of those like any of that stuff just because mm-hmm. it's again because i'm not a i haven't done any you know i've never really worked with linux or you know set up a database or any of that stuff so it's all been you know still a big yeah. learning process for me and and, uh, so I, I think I would like to, and it makes sense, especially for the, uh, for work, just because then I can see, you know, you can start seeing how, if it's, if the batteries are starting to degrade or, you know, just kind of, yeah, uh, exactly. Just sort of a long-term, uh, data, but it's, yeah, I just haven't had the time to <laughs> dive into it you just know, yet. Yeah. You know what? There's, there's a ton of, uh, cool tutorials and yeah. stuff out there. And I know Frank's actually made, I think, I think it was Frank's that's, that, uh, that's made a, uh, influx DB and, and Grafana plugin for, uh, has IO yeah. Uh, yeah. in there. Um, and, and I apologize if it's, if I'm giving the wrong person credit, but I'm pretty sure. I think Frank, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I set and, it up and, right at the very beginning of my home assistant yeah. journey. I kind of set all that stuff up and then I was like, ah, oh, this is, 
too much complex yeah, more yeah, complex yeah. than i'm ready for so so yeah yeah and and but yeah i mean it, give it a shot right? oh, yeah. again it, yeah. problem is you need time for that kind of yeah. stuff right and 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 i'm in that i'm in that same boat and and i do understand some of these things but it's at the same time i'm just like oh yeah i don't i don't i'm not gonna sit and deal with this right now yeah and <laughs> the, the thing for me too is the other that, things um i would i would definitely like to do that but then i think you know there's a lot of things that i've set up like that or you know just not necessarily in home automation but just something where it's like oh it's tracking this and that and this and then it's then i never use it i never go back and look yeah. at it so i'm just like uh, i don't know if i really need to but it's it would be interesting now just because i am using these batteries and and it would be like phil said just to sort of track the the electricity usage and and just kind of over time just to have a, yeah. a record of it for just for my business honestly well, it'd be, it'd be cool to know some of these like statistics as well, right? Because I mean, batteries, obviously there is some level of churn with the batteries and especially in, in a commercial use case like yours where you use them every day, yeah. right? I'm sure you run through batteries a lot faster than I would on my drill that I use like once every three weeks, right? Yeah. Like, so I, you know, it'd be kind of cool to see what that's like too, right? And, and even for you just to kind of chart it out to say, hey, look, not only is this, you know, cheaper for me or it's, it's more expensive up front but then you know it cheaper for me in the sense of i get this much use out of the battery before i have to rebuy it and then do that kind of a math yeah. too, right for from a business sense that may that may be interesting for you too just yeah to plot out yeah absolutely the thing i'm uh the the toughest part right now for me is that um the shelly cloud i don't think you can you can bring it in i think there's a custom integration where you can bring in the shelly uh switch but it doesn't have, at least the last time I checked, it didn't bring in the power monitoring into home assistant. So, so I don't really need Mm. to turn it on or off necessarily. Um, and so the, yeah, the, um, and to, and I know there's like, I could do, cause I'm using the, the local MQTT, um, for my batteries in my house for the small tool batteries. So I could, you know, that all that the sensor data comes in, uh, via that. But, um, so I know there's like cloud MQTT or, you know, there's some way to do that where I could probably, um, you know, get that in to home assistant. But again, it's right now, all I'm wanting to know is that it's actually charging so that when I get there the next day, it's fully <laughs> charged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's a, you know, for me, it's a long-term deal and I'll, I'll start adding these things as, as I can, but winter time is usually the, the time when I'm, uh, capable of, you know, doing some more things like that just because it slows down for me a bit yeah that's cool well it it's i was just quickly googling this as you were talking and and it looks like there is a um shelly uh integration and not not integrations per se but it's uh like you can flip it to uh tasmoda yeah and do that kind of stuff too so yeah yeah, that's which is interesting i haven't done so i've i've just in the last maybe two months kind of gotten into the esp like flashing the mm-hmm. node MCUs and stuff. And so the, it's like all that's it's again, it's all still pretty new. And so it's right now it's working. So I don't want to <laughs> don't if it ain't broke. Yeah. yeah don't so, fix it. But yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll definitely start toying around with more of that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, but yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty surprised when you're, when you're saying, uh, cause I mean, I'm, I'm assuming your mowers that you have are, are going to consume a lot more power just for, I mean, charging and stuff, right? Like I'm, I'm probably not as much as a car, but yeah. still a decent amount. And I'm surprised that the, that the Shelly can keep up for such a 
tiny device that, you know, from, from a amperage perspective. Yeah. Right? And so the, that was actually why, so I did a lot of research cause I wanted to be able to, to do this, um, when I bought mm-hmm. that mower and, um, the Shelly, the, is if the, so it's only, I think it's only the Shelly one PM that has, um, that has enough, you know, allowance for, for the, cause the mower I think can, I think it's like 1875 yeah. Watts when it's, when it's charging, and so it's, yeah. it's like, it's, I mean, it's within the tolerance of that thing. So I was pretty excited about it. And, but they also have like a clamp energy monitor where it's yep. not actually running through the device. Yeah. And so I, I thought about trying that as well, just for safety purposes. <laughs> yeah. That one makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, cause I was looking at the one PM and it looks like, okay, this is actually like a, you run the power through yeah. it and it, which I'm sure gives you a little more accuracy as well. But. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's, it's been, I mean, we, I've been doing that for probably let's see i think it was like for maybe two months last summer and then and then it's been about three months this summer running it every single night and uh yeah it's it's been rock it's been really good so and no no melting or anything (laughs) i've yeah i've been checking on it (laughs) it's that's handy (laughs) so nothing like waking up to that smell of burning plastic in the morning that's right yeah, exactly. Well, the it's and the, in my house too. The the um, when I use the uh, I'm charging like the small tool batteries. Even when I'm charging six at a time, I think it's it's a pretty small draw on it. So it's even I through like a regular smart plug. I think it's still less than. Um, it's I think it's le- I mean I think it, it goes to like maybe 800 watts that it's pulling through. Um, mm-hmm. at, you know, right. while it's, uh, when all six are charging right at the beginning. So it's still fairly, you know, low as far as what most of the smart plugs can handle. So, but it just, it was a two pack with those Shelly's. So <laughs> great one for home, one for your shop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. My garage door, uh, I, I use the, an Insteon IO sensor or IO switch, or it's a plug that has a sensor and a switch integrated. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I have the MyQ yeah. thing kind of as a backup and then for, you know, for guests and stuff, but for, um, for my usage, I just have an NFC tag on in my truck and then one on the side of the garage. And I just scan that with my phone and then it sends, it to, opens up. Sends, yeah. So, um, so that's, you know, and I like that too, cause MyQ, the API, like I used to use the MyQ integration and it felt like every six months it would you know, break because they changed the API or something like that. And yeah, it's, it's been a lot more than uh, every six months in my, yeah, because <laughs> I, I have, I use the exact same thing. Yeah. And it is well, and, and it was interesting, actually, somebody, somebody on the forums uh, mentioned that, you know, the Mike is doing this on purpose to, because it's not an official API. Right. Uh, so they're trying to discourage people from like doing backwards stuff. Yeah. Which I'm like, uh. i bought the opener i bought I, mine's an older one so i have a the mic gateway for yeah, it yeah mine like, i have the same like, thing just, yeah yeah like at, at this point why do you care yeah <laughs> right? mm. you've, you've already gotten your money from me so yeah. it's like and so yeah so for that I, you're just inconvenience i me. just use the app for that or you know if i'm uh allowing a guest or something like that but uh, yeah. so i don't even bring that into home assistant anymore just because it's not <laughs> it not worth the trouble <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 again this it's not a home assistant thing right it's, it's a it's a it's a mic thing. right Hmm. So what does the NFC tag do? So when you scan your NFC tag, does it hit like a URL to something? So it go to home assistant to call the service or what's it doing there? Um, so that I, I'm using Tasker for that. So the NFC tag is basically just a mm-hmm. blank tag. It just has a little code. So if anybody else scanned it, it would just be yeah. like a 10 digit number. 
um, that shows up, but the, with tasker, I've basically, you know, when that tag is scanned, then it'll run a task, which basically calls a home assistant service. Um, Mm -hmm, and I've got it set. So basically I, I don't have any remote access to my home assistant. And so Mm -hmm. with the tasker, uh, profiles or whatever, I can, it can wait until I'm on my, my Wi-Fi, And so it'll basically wait right. until it connects. And then when it connects, it'll send the, send the service call and then it opens up. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of nice cause, cause I, sense. I park outside and not that it's a unsafe neighborhood or anything, but if you just have a garage door opener, just hanging out, it's pretty easy to break a window and then get in. <laughs> yep. So yep. That was and, and, my, mm. like, well, this, at least this way, you know, there's, I mean, you could still break a window in the house, I guess, but this is just a way to kind of keep sure. it a little more secure to, uh, for those. Make it as hard yeah, as possible. Yeah, exactly, for the, the lazy criminal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, I actually really, I really like having that just because um, I can scan it, you know, when I'm half a mile away from my house and it'll wait up to 10 minutes. And so as soon as I pull up, it just turns on or just, you know, it just opens up. Oh, that's so. Cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. So like, yeah, so basically you can even, you can even do it when you like, if you're close by yeah. getting groceries and then just tap it when you get in the car and then. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's been, and it, the reason I said it that way is because I used to actually live in a condo, uh, like neighborhood and I, with my yeah. lawn care company, I was actually mowing that. And so if I had yep. it set up automatically to open whenever I was within the, you know, within near my house, it would It'd just be, be opening, opening and closing yeah. all day long. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah well and and the thing is too depending on again if you're far enough away your your right wi-fi will flap right yeah. Going on off on yeah. off <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gonna so i i was trying to make it so it a, a more uh you know uh foolproof way to, to yeah 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 so it does require a little bit on my end but not much <laughs> that's fine that's not a not a huge deal yeah. that's cool um oh and then for presence so we actually just so I was using the the Google Maps integration, but uh, when we moved, I hadn't I hadn't had all that set up yet. And uh, basically, I just have uh, I have a separate instance of Home Assistant running on a Pi that just yeah. runs uh, mm-hmm. the Bluetooth uh, device uh, tracker. So it's mm-hmm. just B- BT yep, yep. device tracker, I think. Um, and uh, and that actually works really well. I ch- I tried to set that up because I'm running my my main instance on a Mac Mini. Um, but for some reason I couldn't get the Bluetooth to, to come in consistently or just at all. I just couldn't get it to recognize the Bluetooth chip in, inside the machine. And so the, I just used that, um, second instance to basically just run presence detection. Um, so if, you know, if my wife's phone or my phone and then my mother-in-law's phone and any of those other, you know, any guests come over, it can, I get a notification showing that there's a new Bluetooth device in the house. Um, and I can switch over to guest mode and then I use, uh, I think it's just MQTT state stream, I think is what I'm using to bring that yes, in. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. that works really well. Um, the, the iPhone tends to drop on and off a little bit. And so I've set some tolerances just cause of like, I think it's the, their deep sleep or, you know, whatever the, mm-hmm. Yeah, they shut everything down yeah. if it's not being used. Battery. Yeah. There's a custom integration called iPhone detect that kind of. Uh, helps with some of that and keeps it from dropping on, you know, coming in and out a bunch. Uh, mm-hmm. And that has actually worked really well. Um, so yeah, I just kind of 
just just use that. And then I've got a Ubiquity uh, network. So that's kind of a backup, um, you know, for if, if the device is on the network as well. But the, the Bluetooth, uh, has. I know there's been some people don't like it, but for me, it's been very consistent and worked really well. So that's what, that's kind of just what we I used. found it was like one of the most reliable ones when I was in an apartment. Oh, okay. Just, you know, because, you know, close quarters, as soon as you got in up onto the level of the apartment, yeah. you were within range of Bluetooth and, you know, lights would turn on. But now that we're in like a, a unit and, you know, the house is, you know, there's more more of a floor plan, yeah. reaching from one side of the house to the other side of the house, you know, it's, it's where it can get a bit tricky. Yeah. And so we just have a, it's a, uh, we have a two-story house and the um, that other pie that's running basically for presence detection is just under the stairs. So it's kind of like mm. right in the middle of the house. So it actually still right works. Right in the middle. Still yeah, that's cool. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's wicked. Yeah. So I, I thought it was interesting that being uh, a, a non-programmer, I feel like I've come a long way. And it's, like I said, it's been about two to, two <laughs> to three years. So. Of this and, Definitely. Um, it's all just, you know, the forums have been very helpful. And so, you know, it's, I, I love the, the system and still, still a lot to learn. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, there, there's always a lot to yeah. learn, man. <laughs> but I've been, I've been pretty happy with it. Uh, it's been pretty solid. I haven't upgraded uh, I think I'm still on like one dot one one. Um, so it's been a little or one one Oh, um, yeah. So I'm still a little behind, but there's, there's been some breaking changes in the last few releases that I know I'm going to, it's going to take some time to, <laughs> to, br- to bring it back up to snuff. So I'm waiting for, sure. I've got a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> just rip the bandaid. Just do it. Yeah. Just, yeah, ex- I know. I know. Well, Billy, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and, and share your awesome setup with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rowan Caramandi. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.